Welcome to the Freedom Fridays podcast with me, your host, Pete Clark, the Whispers Guy. Work seems to expand to the time that we give it. And I've been investing my time, occasionally on a Friday, to explore how we use our time, our energy, our attention, and the impact it has on our identity. I've been exploring over season one, some of the mindset shifts in the handcuffs of I have to, to the freedom of I choose to. And I've shared some conversations, some tips, some tools about how you might want to invest your own time, your own energy, your own attention, how you might want to, if you choose to, make some changes to your identity, how you might have freedom from I have to and design a life around I choose to. If that's of interest to you, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome back to the Freedom Fridays chat between Nikki Scriven and Pete Clark. We'd hit the pause button a few weeks ago, and it's now time to resume this captivating conversation. If you missed part one, head over to the 21 Whispers website, 21whispers.com, and catch up on episode 79. We left off with Pete asking, how was it all possible? There you are in one of the biggest jobs in your sector, in the world, as a mum, with a marriage that's a bit rocky, and you qualify for Kona, which is the Olympics of the Olympics for any triathlon, at Ironman distance, which for anyone who doesn't know is nuts. For any of us that have done it, you know it's bloody hard. How on earth, how, how can anyone possibly come close to doing that? Um, oh God. Okay. So I was running away last year, you know, and, and setting myself some goals to get me through the year at at the start of the year. So, um, you know, I've mentioned the rockiness of the relationship. It was coming to a natural conclusion two years prior. And we discussed that and we told our kids and they didn't respond very well. And so we thought, let's have some counseling and, and try and work it out nothing really changed. You know, we didn't, we just didn't come back together. So for me, I was kind of trying to hang in there to pick the right time that would be less impact on the children. And actually, as it turned out, it was horrendous. And I I don't think there's actually an easy way through. I think, you know, when a a marriage comes to a conclusion, and particularly when there's children involved, there is going to be pain for everybody. So um, I kind of set myself some goals to get through the year because my eldest was going to be in year 12. And I thought, okay, I want to do, <laughs> I'd done two Ironmans before um, in 2001 yeah. and 2002. And I'd had this idea that I wanted to do the 20 year anniversary of an Ironman and see if I could get close to the previous time. Um, and COVID impacted the ability to do it in 2021. So 2022 it was. But I'd also decided that I wanted to do Peaks Challenge. And I don't know if you're aware of Peaks, but it's a 235-kilometre ride. You ride up three mountains in um, around Falls Creek and 4,500 vertical climb. And and I've been discussing with my coach that I want to do that, but seven, six, seven weeks later, I want to do the Australian Ironman. And I quietly wanted to qualify for Kona, but to qualify for Kona, you kind of needed to, you needed to podium and ideally win because there's not many spots. 
So um, I had a great, I have an amazing coach. Um, He went, yep, we can do it. I didn't do a lot of running. Um, And, you know, so because I was riding and I was doing so many hills at the time, but I was having such a good time with my training buddies. I was, it was euphoric and it was my focus because, you know, like things weren't great in my personal life. So I was kind of running away to this, but I was just surrounded by my tribe and we had the best summer ever. The weather was incredible. We were riding through this beautiful countryside and I was just on cloud nine. That that whole experience was euphoric for me. I felt it was almost an out-of-body experience of just sheer joy. And I think some of the work that I'd been doing with my psychologist too, she was like, at the when I first started seeing her, she was like, you're so close, Nikki. I want you to open yourself up. Just open yourself up to enjoy life. Open yourself up to experience and appreciate others. And I thought, okay, nice, I can do that. And so that's what was happening for me. Yeah, and my, Well, my energy was through the roof. And I think sometimes we deal with crap in our lives and we shut ourselves down. And what I realised is how much it impacts your energy in the process. And so all of a sudden I just opened myself up and and I was, it was just euphoric. And so then, you know, I had a week easy after peaks and then we started building my run and I'd only been running 15K a week. So an Ironman is 42 kilometres, a marathon off an 180K bike and a 3.8K swim. So it's, you know, it's a big event, but I was super aerobically fit. And so then we were just kind of building my run and my speed was going through the roof. I, you know, I dropped quite a bit of weight training for peaks and then just in that sort of last five-week build um, for the Ironman, you know, another four kilos disappeared. And so I, you know, but I was starting to have issues with my back um, where towards the end I couldn't run off the bike and I I had injured my back some years prior and I'd been maintaining it with a lot of, um, you know, a lot of uh, weights work and things like that. But it was it was getting a bit strange, and I was very worried how I would be at Port Macquarie. Anyway, long story short, best race of my life. Like I just had so much joy for that race, and an incredible support from many of my training buddies at, at Hawthorne Tri Club. Um, that run, just to give you some context, I got a flat on the bike, and most people would be peeved about that and shattered. Um, and I was trying to change my flat and then along comes, you know, these mobile mechanics and they just whipped it off me and said, you know, have a drink, have something to eat, we'll do this for you. And, you know, this was part of, you know, Ironman support and they changed my tube and I, I was just so grateful. And I remember hopping back on my bike, not feeling annoyed that I got a flat tyre because this was going to destroy my race, but just so grateful that they came and found me and fixed my bike and and got me back on again. So my ride time wasn't fast um it was still pretty reasonable and then I got off the bike and I was floating on air like my run you know I looked down at my time and I was running sub five minute k's for the first 10 and I was like how am I doing and I'm thinking god my coach is going to be going she's gone out too hard she's gone out too hard but I was just in my rhythm and then I just had all my friends dotted around the course cheering me on just going oh my god Nikki you're flying and and it was just all this positive reinforcement and it was literally like an out-of-body experience I was like a metronome and I just kept going anyway I ended up running 20 minutes faster than I did for my Ironman 20 years prior so my run time was 342 for the marathon leg after doing 180 on the bike and so I was very very happy with myself I came second and I qualified for Kona 
um, and my back was completely stuffed. Um, and I did, like, I literally could barely run in the lead up to Kona. My, you know, I was going through all the um, all the crap with, you know, my marriage breakdown and the kids and and all of that. And it was a very tough preparation for Kona. Um, and I had to walk, like I, I literally had to walk the first half an hour off the bike because I could barely move and I was in a lot of pain. My disc had completely collapsed and was bulging posteriorly and anteriorly. And I was starting to get bony cracks in the um in the vertebrae. So it was pretty dire, but I still got through it. And I think I finished, I finished Kona in 13 hours or something. So it wasn't fast, but by God was I getting to that finish line. And then I've recently just had back surgery and a, a disc fusion seven weeks ago. Um, I was back in the pool at two and a half weeks. So I was back running at four weeks and I'm doing Noosa triathlon in three, which will be 10 weeks post-op. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I get a lot of my inspiration from reading other stories. You know, you can see the books behind me, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, almost a throwaway line, right? I was only doing 15K a week. When most people, you know, couch to one k is a big enough deal. Um, yeah. It's exhausting just thinking about how you were able to maintain and sustain that energy. And I, I think the lesson or the insight for me is again repeated. It's not about anyone trying to repeat what Nikki Scriven has done. N- that would be impossible, right? No one is has had your experience and it's a particularly unique interpretation on. And what it tells me is collectively, individually, there is so much more if you want it. There's so much more potential in us physically, emotionally, relationship-wise, commercially, purpose-wise. Even if it's just a millimetre, that's more. But it could be so much more. And surrounding yourself with others who who are not like you but are pushing into more, you probably feed off that energy and that allows us to extend and reach and go beyond our self-imposed limits. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and I think, you know, we can get bogged down by, you know, all this is terrible and this victim mentality. And I think we need to just, we just need to let that go. Our experiences are are our experiences. They shape who we are. And yep. it's what you do with it. It's what you learn from it that allows you to progress or stay in a rut and, and stay in a negative headspace. And I think it's how you get positivity in your life. And that is different for everybody. For me, um, you know, a lot of people meditate and do yoga. That doesn't do it for me. Like, you know, going for a run or a, a swim is the most meditative state for me because oh. I just feel that freeing and the water on my body and, and yep. pulling through the water and it's quiet and it's calm so I probably find that most meditative state swimming um when I'm fit and my heart rate's not going through the roof like it is now you know seven weeks post-op you know I'm the same with running and you know cycling you've got to have a lot of awareness around you because you're on the road so you sort of don't get to switch into that but you can appreciate your surrounds so I think for me it's it's appreciation of where I am um, and it's it's feeling a bit connected, I think, too, to the environment. I think that's so important. I I love nothing more than you know swimming through the ocean and and being in awe of of the environment that I'm in. I love nothing more than riding through hills and being in awe of the beautiful landscape. 
And I love nothing more, it doesn't always come, of, of feeling light on my feet running and, and running through different landscapes. And, and so for me, when I travel, I want to experience the world on a bike or running and, and, and explore like that. I don't want to sit in a bus um, and sightsee. That doesn't do it for me. I need to experience the environment that I'm in. So I think for, for people, it's it's how can you appreciate where you're at? How can you learn from the things that have set you back? And, and choose to be a different way. And I've not always got it right, but God, you know, like I, I stuffed my kids up in the way that I left my marriage, you know, and it, I was caught up in my own shit, but I've had the the ability to, you know, pull back and go, God, you, you just did not handle that well. And I don't know if I could have done it any differently, but at least I can acknowledge to my children that, you know, it just, it was too fast. It was too quick. Um, I needed to lean more into them. Um, I was caught up in my own emotional state and disappointment and all of those things, but, you know, I did what I had to do and, and we don't always get it right, but we need to acknowledge when we don't get it right and we need to reflect on what we could do better and we need to try to do better. You know, that's all we can do. But the more you beat yourself up, uh, you know, that's not, if I bet, if I was beating myself up, telling myself what a crap mother I was, I wouldn't serve a purpose for them now. So, yeah. you know, that's just, you know, it's, it's not the way forward. The way forward is um, thinking that we're all a work in progress and how can we do better? Right, um, can I ask you something about that? I'm, I'm interested personally too, um, one of the most important roles in my life is as a father. Um, and in, 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 in two ways, one, the relationship I have with my kids, I've got a uh, girl, boy, girl, um, but also um, as a role model of how to have relationships. So the individual relationship with each one of them, but just generally how to have imperfect, perfect relationships where it's not always unicorns and rainbows. Things go wrong. You say the wrong things. You upset each other. You know, blah, 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 blah. But you get to repair and you get to connect, reconnect again. Um, and, and please share whatever you don't or want to share with this. What, um, do you do anything intentionally as a mother to your boys that builds an ongoing relationship as mother and son? Oh, tricky one. I think my boys are very, very different. Um, they're very different personalities. They're very different in how they conduct themselves in life. So there's not one rule of thumb. I think for me now, and my boys live with their father. So that that was really difficult for me. But, you know, at the time that we separated, I left because I had to get out. And so they they felt that I left them too. And, you know, I've reinforced to them that, you know, I, I left the marriage. I didn't leave you guys. But they felt that and and they are right to feel that because literally I left and went and stayed with somebody else, you know. So, um, and I think that repairing is just talking and communicating. Now, one of my children communicates quite openly and the other one doesn't and, and doesn't connect with me or communicate with me. So I try to do things with him in other ways. Um, and with the hope that those lines of communication open up. But we're not there yet. So, you know, with one, I know exactly where he's at. And the other, he's struggling. And he's struggling through things, through choices that he's made in his life. And he's struggling um, through, you know, the dissolution of our marriage. Um, and and I don't know, you know, and I'm a lot to blame for that in his eyes. Now, whether that's reality or not, I don't know. But 
there's a lot of blaming going on. Um, so, you know, it's just trying to create the space when you need the space and and be there and have that connection. But, you know, God, I'm no expert and I have not nailed it. <laughs> like I just, I haven't nailed it. It, it. it struck me that, you know, I totally endorse the view that we're all works in progress. You know, we're backwards, two steps, forwards, three, you know, all that sort of stuff. And I wonder if that's, and it certainly feels indicative of me and what you're describing is our relationships are indeed continued works in progress too. Yeah, 100%, 100%. But I think also I've got teenage boys. Boys yeah. at this age need their dads. And, you know, like I, I remember sort of struggling with my eldest um, as he was going through, you know, from about 15 and, and you know, feeling like I needed to put more boundaries around him and keep him safe and all those sort of things. And I read, I can't remember the name of the book, but I read a book that a friend of mine who also had two boys lent me. And it was it was eye-opening for me. And it talks about how on that bridge to manhood, the dad needs to be on the bridge and the mother needs to stay at the edge of the bridge and go, I'm here, <laughs> you know, here if you need me and watch them, but kind of let boys be boys. And, and that relationship with their dad is so critical. And it's so important for teenage boys to have their dads around at that time. So as a mother, that's really tough because, you know, you've nurtured this, you know, if you've breastfed, you've breastfed, you've nurtured your baby, they're your baby. And we still think of them of those beautiful babies and my boy my baby boys growing up and all of that and then there comes a point where they kind of want to let go of their mother and a friend I caught up with a friend last week actually and she said something that was also incredibly insightful for me she said boys naturally want to let go of their mother because all of a sudden they're interested in girls and they've got boobs and vaginas like their mother and that's uncomfortable for them and I haven't even thought about it like that yeah you know, there's that piece as well. And so I had started to realise that I could let go a bit. But I think there's also a, I don't know, I feel like there's also a mourning of that with boys. So they need to be with their dads. They want to let go of their mums, but they want their mums to be there. And yeah. so they want to they want to wipe you off and tell you that you're terrible and, and be hideous because they're going through all their hormonal changes. But they also want you to be there. And I think... The bit for me when the marriage breakdown is they didn't think that I was there. So, you know, I'd been there, but all of a sudden I wasn't there, I'd left. And I think there's a security in letting go but being there. And and that was the bit that they had really struggled with. So that's very much um, repaired and reflected with one of my boys but not the other. Uh, oh, my, my comment would be, Nikki, I don't care whether you're qualified to say what you've just said, but it sounds like you're talking from a, a, a wholehearted perspective as a mother with an ex-husband and two boys and all the imperfection that that brings. Yeah, 100%. But, you know, like, God, no marriage. Well, actually, some marriages are incredible. Um, you know, you get in this idea that you get married and you're in it for life and you make this lifelong commitment, which you do. You don't go into a marriage thinking, oh, this is going to end in a hideous divorce or whatever it is. Um, you know, we we were always good friends and incredible supports for each other. And I think we became more business partners and friends than anything. And that so that support was there. And so that was a real comfort that kind of kept us together. It was not an awful marriage by any stretch. And on the outside, people, I think when we separated, people were shocked. They were like, what? <laughs> How did yeah. you two separate? But, you know, for me, I need connection. And 
And there, we, we lost that connection and we lost anything in common because when you have kids, your life becomes your kids. Yeah. And I think um, for me as a mother, it, you know, yes, I was into my sport and all of those things and that was probably a bit of an escape, but I felt on the outer, you know, it became the boys and and I felt lonely. I was very lonely in that marriage and that's not a reflection on my ex-husband it's a, just a reflection. It's just a reality. I felt lonely in that. And there wasn't anything that was pulling us back together. And I couldn't see it in the future. And I thought, my God, the boys are going to grow up and leave. And what have we got? We've got nothing. And we just couldn't find our way back together. And I'm not one that's going to stay in something just because I made a promise. I I needed to be able to open myself up for the opportunity to find love and connection. And and I have, and I've repartnered and, and I'm incredibly grateful. And, and I've, you know, I think, and both my partner and I have come out of um, long marriages and, you know, we, we're learning each other and that's fantastic, but it's not all perfect and it's never going to be all perfect, but we're, we have an incredible connection and that connection is so strong. We're so appreciative that we're learning each other and we're just being super open with communication and I think any relationship relies on communication and the moment you lose connection and communication you're heading down a path of trouble and so I think my biggest learning is to continue to communicate and to not let not let the small things because that's where connection comes from and stays it's the little things it's not the big things it's not the gifting that you're trying to cover up for what you're missing somewhere else and you know we certainly had gone down that path it's it's the little things. It's the making the coffee in the morning. You know, I'll I'll hear the coffee machine going and know that in a couple of minutes he's coming in and, and putting a coffee by my bedside table. And that for me is just pure bliss. Yeah. That's that's thoughtfulness. It's appreciation. It's you know, it's those tiny little things that just make you love that person so much. I'm going to ask a question. It's probably more about me than about you, but I'm interested in your response. Um, so I'd be very similar, as in I would give a lot. Um, I struggle with receiving. Yeah. What about you? Um, I, yeah, I, I think, do you know what? My partner um, asked me very early on, you know, what's your love language? And he really wanted to understand. And I thought, what, a, what an incredible question to ask. And so we kind of... And, and our love languages are quite, they're not the same, but they're quite similar. So um, I, I think I felt like I, in my previous relationship, I was doing a lot and giving a lot and not, or trying hard and not getting a lot of effort um, back. But I think the reality is we'd just grown apart. And whilst we liked each other, we didn't, we weren't in love with each other. And, and Change, I, change is not something I'm afraid of. I actually lean into it. I quite like it. But, yeah. you know, change for some people is very uncomfortable. So I think um, what is so important around that give and receive is understanding what each other needs and being able to communicate it. It's not so much how much you're getting or what you're getting. It's how well you're communicating what you need and what you appreciate. And one of the things that I adore about my partner is he he doesn't just say, I love you, and he doesn't throw that out there all the time. He says, I appreciate you. Wow. And that for me is just 
I know you don't just say that for the sake of it. You say that when you're feeling like you really appreciate this person. And that's beautiful for me. Yeah. Um, for anyone listening, the uh, Nick is referring to love languages. It's a, a relatively old concept that in a relationship, romantic or not, there's ways in which we appreciate being loved. And if you accept that you know, love is a verb before it becomes a noun, it's the doing acts and it's time, it's words, it's acts, it's gifts and it's touch. Yeah. And you know, I've had that conversation too. Interestingly, I haven't had it. I've had it in my current part, my only partner's uh, relationship. I haven't taken it into like mates relationships. I haven't taken it into work relationships. And I wonder if that's a gap. I wonder if we if we knew someone's workplace language, time, acts, blah, 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 blah. I wonder if there would be more appreciation going around. Because I think you're right. It's easy to go, I like you, I love you. That's kind of easy-ish. Not for everyone, mm-hmm. but it's easy-ish. But to kind of go eyeball to eyeball, look deep into your eyes and go, Nikki, I really I really appreciate you. That's like, oh, that's connection. Yeah. And I wonder yeah. if this, we're missing a little bit of the same in the workplace. And perhaps what Chief Medichix does is it does that for women. Yeah, yeah, yes, I think so. Yeah, and what's lovely actually is the feedback that we get um, from women on our program, and it is that, it is that appreciation. Yeah, they're just so grateful to, you know, to have these amazing women to support them. And they're grateful for the growth and the scale of their business that they're seeing so quickly. So, yes, it is that appreciation. I think women generally want to feel appreciated. I think we do, you know, we we do a lot, particularly if you're a working mother, you know, invariably a lot of things land on the mother, particularly in the household, even if they are working. And, and you know, I think one of the things I, you know, I love about my partner is we do the housework together. He has his roles and I have mine. And every week that we're doing the housework together, I just say to him, God, I love you. God, I appreciate you. you what a man. What an incredible man. Yeah. You know, like, and it's just that level of appreciation and contribution. We contribute, you know, and appreciate that contribution. And I think when that can happen at home and there's appreciation of your contribution in the workplace, there's harmony. And so I, th- I think that's a really lovely concept um, to, to think about those love languages because that is who we are and who we are is who we are at home and who we are in the workplace. And, you know, if you come back to that point of what you asked me earlier about feeling appreciated at work, you know, I said to you I wasn't feeling appreciated at home or at work and those things blended. So I think that's a really interesting space and I don't think anyone's really doing that. So there's an opportunity for you. Yeah. So I'm, I'm I'm conscious we've just talked for ages, Nikki. But you know the time's just gone, and I'd love to canter a little bit forward and and maybe touch on maybe a say. I mean, I don't. It feels sad for me that it's even a sensitive topic, um, because it's unfathomable to me that there should be any competition between our genders. But there seems to be this nuts things going on. What what could I, as a man, do more of or less of, visibly or invisibly? to help women understand they're appreciated, not necessarily for what they do, but also for just who they are. Is there anything that you've observed that, you know, I know it's a generic statement and it's not unique. Is there typical things men do or don't do that make that appreciation felt 
or not felt? Are you talking in a personal life or in a work life? Does it matter? Mm, it, well, it's different. I think it's different. Well, um, look, I think I think women need to feel acknowledged because, and and I think it's awareness of what women are doing that is so important for men to acknowledge. So, you know, if you're a working mother, invariably you are, there's a level of maternal guilt. There's also with women a lot of imposter syndrome. Women, and, and this blows my mind, some of the most incredible female leaders that I have had the joy and pleasure of working with, working for, collaborating with, suffer imposter syndrome. That blows my mind. People that I see up on stage absolutely killing it, like just so incredible. And, um, you know, and I might be sitting, and uh, there's one in particular, I won't mention her name, and I was I was sitting at an event thinking, I want this woman as one of my leaders in Chief Medichicks. And her staff were on the table and they were, and I'm like, God, she's an incredible woman. And they're like, oh, she's amazing. She's this or that, blah, 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 blah. I then met her and she is one of my leaders, but she will remain nameless. And she told me how she gets crippled by imposter syndrome. And I was like, how is that possible? You are at the top of your game. But I think it's, and, and she owns it. She actually talks openly about it. Yep. It's that empathy and and the honesty that women give that men need to lean into and hear mm-hmm. and and help lift them and reassure them. And I think, you know, what I observe with women is, you know, if there's an opportunity and they think they only tick seven or eight of the ten boxes, they won't go for it because they don't think they've got enough. A guy will put a submission in if he only ticks three out of the ten and tell everyone how bloody fantastic he is. I think we can all learn from each other in that. Women need to back themselves and men need to help support and understand women. And I think we touched on it a bit earlier. There's so many hormonal changes that women go through that affect your psyche and your mental status. And I don't think guys lean in or understand that enough. They might have a female partner and know that, oh, she's a bit premenstrual, she's going to be emotional, oh, God, you know, don't don't say anything, run away. Actually asking the question, what's going on for you right now? How are you feeling right now? I think that's what men can do a whole lot more of, but they're not natural communicators, so that's uncomfortable. But I think I think that understanding, you, you know, as a employer or male employee you don't need to know your your women's cycles but you do need to ask a question and I think sometimes it's as much as are you okay can I give you some support what's happening for you is you know is there anything that you need it's asking questions rather than telling dictating and and putting expectations and pressure Um, you know sometimes that's a much more effective way because then women feel permission to say, oh, I'm not having a great day or I'm just feeling a bit flat today or I'm a bit low on energy or I've got 10 things I need to deliver and I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed. Sometimes I've got 10 things to deliver and I'm like I'm banging it out and other times I've got 10 things to deliver and I'm frozen, paralysed, and I, I don't feel like I can move forward. And typically that's a hormonal cycle doesn't affect my overall output and success is who I am so I can deliver. But on some days I'm just not going to be as productive and I think it's it's leaning into that that's really important. Something I've I've discussed with some of the leadership teams that I work with is that point around 
being willing and vulnerable enough to ask men or women um what's going on for you yeah but i guess the 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 build on that is it depends on our relationship one if i've got the vulnerability to ask and two if you've got the space and the relationship and the safety to answer so as a build on that you don't necessarily need to ask the question what you could do is hey nikki i'm sensing there's something going on for you and I just want you to know, I see you, I hear you, and I've got your back. Yeah, that's exactly right. You don't have to say anything, but you get the same impact. You kind of go, oh, okay, that's, that's yeah. I don't have to reveal anything because I don't know my boss very much, you know, blah, blah, for whatever reason. But it almost has the same impact because you are seen, heard, and held just in that statement. Yeah, yeah. It's It's got to be a conducive relationship, you know, I think. And there's got to be two-way communication and, and removal of ego. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nikki, I'm really conscious of time. Um, uh, maybe one last question and then we can round it out and we can talk offline as well, I'm guessing. Um, yeah, sure. Quick plug for Chief Medichicks. Um, who should join? Where do they find that information? It, you know, quick plug for, for that. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, anyone thinking about a side hustle or, you know, wanting leadership development, wanting to learn more about Web3 AI or wanting support and coaching to help build and scale their startup or scale up, um, Chief Metachicks is the place for you. So um, you can go to chiefmetachicks.com. Um, we're two ninety nine a year for a subscription, which gives you access to a ton of resources, um, access to all of our online events, um, and then our coaching program is by application. So we don't take everyone on. We get um, members to submit a business plan so that we can see that you're ready for coaching. And then if you're accepted into the program, um, you do you do a pitch. There's a whole, all of our pitches are loaded up into Chief Metachick's world. So for members that are sort of curious or thinking, am I ready? You know, how does this work? You can actually watch all of those videos and you'll see you'll see how they pitch. It's a consistent template um, that kind of really just tells us how you've thought through your business, what stage of business and where you need support. And that helps us to allocate the Chief Metachicks leaders to help you build and scale your business. So, um, or you can just reach out to me. You know, I'm an open book. I love this space. I love supporting women. Um, you can email me at Nikki, N-I-C-K-I-E, um, at chiefmetachicks.com and you will get a response unless you're trying to sell me shit that I don't need. I know, I know. Um, and we'll put all that, that stuff in the showcase. So uh, $2.99 a month, right? $2.99 a year. No, no, hang on. I misheard you. I thought you said two ninety nine a month. No, two ninety nine annual subscription per year. It's very cheap. It'll go up, but we're still early days. And for me, it's about supporting as many people as we can, um, as as early as we can. And you know, as we get too too busy, then things will go up. But you know, our pitch and grow coaching package is more than ten k worth of value, and we only charge fifteen hundred dollars for it. And you get access to some of the most senior leaders to help build and scale your business through coaching for six months. So you get 24 coaching sessions yeah. over a six-month period. And the results that we're seeing are astronomical. You can have a look at some of the testimonials on our website. Um, you know, we are helping fast track so quickly women's businesses just by helping open new networks and um, and also advise advise the community about each other's business so they're all doing business with each other and that that's joyful for me because that's what this is about how do we build a community where we build scale grow other women's businesses and help them learn about each other so that they can network and and grow and scale together um 
I'm curious from a personal perspective, just chicks? No, um, this is about this is about celebrating amazing female leadership and inspiring others and inspiring women. We are not just we are not just for women. Naturally, we attract more women than men, but we do have some male members. And in fact, there's one that we're about to start coaching that's doing some amazing work um, in the you know in empowering women's space. So it's a really good fit. Um, so you know, and they'll be on our coaching program as well. So. Um, no, it's not just for men, um, sorry, not just for women. Men can benefit too, but this is about supporting and inspiring and developing women wherever we can. Yeah. Um, Nikki, I'm so glad I reached out. I I never knew I was missing so much <laughs> not being in contact. That's been a far-reaching, raw, inspiring, uh, so many unresolved threads and questions uh, that I've got in my head for me personally, as well as you know, all the stuff we do. So I'm really grateful for your um, transparency, your vulnerability, um, just being the best possible version of you publicly is a true inspiration. Yes, for women um, and for men, but for humans. Uh, and, I, and I don't say that like, and yes, you're not perfect. And there's things that you do that others wouldn't be able to do. But the being the best version of you is the inspiration, is the role modeling that I just think more people would love some support and environmental boundaries to help them with that. So thank you for the work you do. Thank you for being willing to invest time chatting to somebody that you hadn't spoken to for a couple of years. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And yeah, thank you for your lovely words. You know, I'm I'm far from perfect. I, you know, have many flaws, but you know, I think as I mentioned before, we're all a work in progress and it's it's what we learn and what we choose to do moving forward, not getting bogged down in, in the past, you know, that's what makes us who we are. On that, I'll thank you again, Nikki. My pleasure.